Hello, and welcome to a more perfect podcast. We're not ending the Iran series, but we're interrupting the Iran series for something that I need to get off my chest. I've been really, really angry about it the past two days, and I, I just can't stop thinking about it. I, I'm, I'm so mad. I'm so pissed off. I've never been this mad at anything political before. If, if you talk to me on a detailed level, at least about, about politics or really about politics in general, you know that it is rare that I should get so angry. I don't really involve myself in, you know, pro-life, pro-choice debates. I don't really involve myself in any of that. I don't get angry where a lot of people do take things personally. I don't get mad. So it's it's very surprising that I, I would get this angry and it kind of, you know, surprises me even that I'm, I'm this angry about it. But I just can't let it go. I can't let this go. I just had to make an episode about it. I hope you guys enjoy makes me so pissed off what happened. Anyways, we have responses coming, we have news reports, we have history, we have a lot of stuff in this podcast, so I just, ooh, I, I gotta take a breather, I have a lot of stuff to cover. Okay. So the reason why I'm doing this episode is because a few days ago, Trump did his State of the Union address as required by the Constitution. Now, the State of the Union address has historically pushed the American conscious forward. It's pushed the bounds of our nation and it's moved the American eye towards new frontiers. It's a very important thing for our country, and without it, our history would look a lot different, as we'll see later. Trump did this speech on February 4th, 2020. This speech is going to go on in history, but not for the reasons that I'd like. After the speech, when Trump was done, Trump said, God bless America as his custom. Pelosi stands up and instead of clapping, she takes the speech in her hand and she just tears it in half. Takes it again, tears it in half. You're a spiggle bitch. I can tell you, I didn't believe it at first. I had to keep watching and for them to replay it. And sure enough, it happened. It's so shocking to me that this kind of blatant disrespect would be in a chamber as sacred as the House of Representatives tradition as preserved as the State of the Union address, it's just awful to me. And so I couldn't help myself. I went on social media and I took a poll and I asked people what they thought of Pelosi's actions at the State of the Union. And well, I got a lot of responses, so I'm going to go through them here. James says, she is such a child. Pelosi is a shame to our country. She's like literal human trash, and this couldn't be closer to the truth. Bob says, isn't respect one of the foundations of our society? Ripping the speech wasn't a good example. Obviously, Democrats have no respect, and Nancy Pelosi has zero respect for anything. No respect. And then I got some more moderate responses. Olivia says, I get why she did it, but it just feeds into the us versus them mentality. Partisan politics isn't great. This is definitely true. George Washington warned against partisan politics. He didn't even want political parties in general. So, and as far as fitting into the us versus them mentality, it certainly makes a lot of American loving people very, very angry. So you're definitely right there. Ricardo says, not only is Pelosi a child for doing that, but so is everyone else in office. So this is really underlining the previous point of the us versus them mentality. 
since everybody on both sides is committing stupid, stupid acts, and everybody's just so, so stupid. So Ricardo's just on the ball here. George says she she should not have ripped up the speech. Childish. It's very childish. I We all remember when we were three years old and we ripped up our report card because it wasn't good. Yeah, this is this, except try 70, like, I think it's 79. James said this. James says that it was full of BS. We are in better places before he took office. He spits lies and that the last three presidents have done better. I asked him, so you don't agree with what Trump said at all, basically? And then he was like, yeah, I disagreed. It was full of bull. And then James said this, and I'll play it for you. The fact of he had to literally have three different black people to stand up to be recognized to make it seem like he was doing something. But in actuality, the grant for the schools um, are terrible. Undersecretary um, Bedoy's, or whatever her name is, she has actually killed more funding than anything. Um, so it's a lot of things in the administration, and then including that I'm studying political science, so I really into it. Um, he's disrespectful to women, um, and concluding that, uh, like again, I said, he had to use over three different people. Um, it felt like he was putting him on a platform that he's doing something for the American people um, and make America great. It's not making America great. America's been more divided than ever. Um, so, yeah. So, James, uh, that that's really cool that you're starting political science. I super encourage you to keep it up. We need we need a lot more of those people now than ever before. Just so you know, don't stop there. Please go into law school because just a political science degree is useless. Yeah, I mean, people that just have political science degrees, they literally become Starbucks baristas, but people that have political science degrees can go into law school you can get your JD, Juris Doctorate, for those who don't know. And you can pursue a degree to become a lawyer, attorney, things like that. So a very good choice of a major. Let's address the positive things first. So I do like the point he said about women. He says some garbage things about women. I can play some of them now. And then you have Bernie. Bernie. Crazy Bernie. You got a choice between Sleepy Joe and Crazy Bernie. And uh, I'll take any of them. Let's just pick somebody, please, and let's start this thing. Let's start it. Pick somebody. We have a young man, Boot Edge Edge. Boot Edge Edge. They say Edge Edge. He's got a great chance, doesn't he? He'll be great. He'll be great. Representing us against President Xi of China. In the race for the White House, a major development overnight. Top contender Pete Buttigieg dropping out after Tom Steyer also calls it quits. To Decision 2020, now a pre-Super Tuesday bombshell as Pete Buttigieg drops out of the race for president. The Democratic presidential field is shrinking ahead of tomorrow's Super Tuesday vote. Pete Buttigieg suspended his campaign yesterday after finishing fourth in the South Carolina primary. Joe Biden trounced Bernie. Jeb is so wrong. But I really don't agree with what he said about education because I think, James, that you're looking at it completely wrong. So first, there is some credit to your claim, James. Betsy DeVos is slashing, or rather, Trump is slashing $8.5 billion from the education department budget. But the, the story does not end there. I said that you're looking at it wrong and for a very good reason. Trump is taking away from education. 
but he is taking away from government-funded schools. You may have seen signs around your district or, you know, on the roads that you take to and from work that may say, save our public schools or some version of that. And what I'm about to tell you is why. So Trump wants to create school choice. School choice is the philosophy that you shouldn't be trapped by district lines and you shouldn't be trapped by where you live in choosing to where you go to school. So now I live in a state that forces you and zones you for a high school, say, or a middle school. We had to fight for me to go to the high school that I wanted to. I have friends that didn't get to go to the high school they wanted to and were forced and zoned for one school. Trump wants to take it away so that you don't have to fight. And he also wants to pull money out of the public school system and put money into opportunity scholarships to help you to choose that school that you want to go to, basically. So private schools versus public schools. The private schools are mounds better. Anyone will say that by far. Government schools, they really don't work. I'm, I'm not dissing the public school teachers. Those teachers made me who I am today, honestly. And we would be nowhere without them. They are the most wonderful people on earth. And if you have a teacher, then literally thank them because they're awesome. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the condition of the schools, the writing on the bathroom stalls, you know, the like aids in the faucets, you know, I could, I could just go on and on. It's, it's bad. Private schools, you know, the ones with uniforms, the ones where they provide students with iPads and such like that, they're in very pristine condition. Okay. I, I know people that they just get an iPad from school and they get to use it the whole year. It's to do their assignments on because private schools can afford that. And Trump is trying to give students the opportunity to go to these private schools. Now, some people say that 90% of families choose to send their children to public schools. Well, that's not completely true, according to a Washington Examiner article. It's only 82% actually control, actually go to a district-controlled school, and the rest were going to a private school, a public charter school, or were homeschooled. But the real point the Washington Examiner article makes is that and as I alluded to earlier, parents aren't choosing these district public schools. The arbitrary red lines around their zip codes basically choose, or really assign, the schools. Just because a family child is in public school doesn't mean the family chose it. And that's, again, what Trump is trying to realize for the American people. But, you ask, why would that involve taking away money? Why would he need to do that? So to fund these scholarships and to fund these grants to try and send students to these private schools and try to send students to the school of their choice, he needs the money back. And that involves, unfortunately, shifting money around. Why would this be better? Because he, because then you can go to the school of your choice and you aren't zoned in for your district. And I think that's something that everybody would like versus going in for your own public school why don't you have the freedom to choose? You can't really say that Trump is taking away from education either. So there's a article from the Washington Times that says Trump signs a bill restoring funding for black colleges. It was a bipartisan bill and it'll provide more than $250 million per year and along with dozens of other institutions that serve large shares of minority students. It's not necessarily a false premise. He is taking away school funding 
but it is a false perspective. Getting back to the Nancy Pelosi thing, it is a view of that action and justification for the view of that action, more importantly. So thank you, James. This is from Andrew. He's been on the podcast a lot. He says, she acts like a complete child. She just knows her attempts to destroy him has failed. As we know, impeachment failed like yesterday now. And just everything has failed. I mean, like she tried to destroy the wall and we're building the wall. I mean, she just give it up. Lauren, she was the girl in episode three. And I think I'll have her on again if she wants to be on. She was like, love her. She has everything I have aspired and will ever aspire to be. He's disrespected her so many times in the past. Don't even act like he hasn't. She's one of the most strongest and most resilient women there are. Few men or women could handle all that she's been through and remain as composed. Let's just ignore the Democrats saying literally before he stepped in the White House, let's impeach him. And then Warren denies this. She basically pulls up some stats that say, oh, Trump was wrong about the illegal immigrants numbers and their number of murderers. And she's saying that she bolded the statistics. But as you'll see later, my, my argument is not a statistic one. It, it honestly doesn't matter to me. But anyways, my argument is a ideological one. It's not really a statistics one. So doesn't really change anything. Her point was that how often he lies and nobody even bats an eye. If we look here, we can see a common theme that all the people that were for Nancy Pelosi are all like, oh, Trump lied and Trump is not worthy of respect. Trump is taking away X and Trump is an evil bad man. And finally, we get to my perspective. To understand my perspective, we need to go into a bit of history. This is to underline how important the State of the Union address has been to our nation and just how critical the president's words in that address are to shaping the nation and shaping the course of our destiny, really. I'd like to start with Abraham Lincoln. In his 1862 address, he expressed the principles for which Northern men, I'm quoting directly from Saturday Evening Post. Abraham Lincoln's 1862 address expressed the principles for which Northern men would fight and die for the next three years. It also set the bar for the State of the Union address for what is arguably the best prose ever written by the president, which is as follows. The dogmas of quiet past are inadequate to the stormy present. The occasion is piled high with difficulty, and we must rise to the occasion. As our case is new, we must think anew and act anew. We must disenthrall ourselves, and then we shall save our country. Fellow citizens, we cannot escape history. We of this Congress and this administration will be remembered in spite of ourselves. No personal significance or insignificance can spare one or another of us. The fiery trial through which we pass will light us down, in honor or dishonor, to the, to the latest generation. In giving freedom to the slave, we assure freedom to the free. We shall nobly save or meanly lose the last best hope of earth. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, in 1941, I'll let you listen to part of it. It's called the Four Freedoms Speech. In the future days, which we seek to make secure, we look forward to a world founded upon four essential human freedoms. The first is freedom of speech and expression everywhere in the world. The second is freedom of every person to worship God in his own way 
everywhere in the world. The third is freedom from want, which translated into world terms means economic understandings which will secure to every nation a healthy peacetime life for its inhabitants everywhere in the world. The fourth is freedom from fear, which translated into world terms means a worldwide reduction of armaments to such a point and in such a thorough fashion that no nation will be in a position to commit an act of physical aggression against any neighbor anywhere in the world. That is no vision of a distant millennium. It is a definite basis for a kind of world attainable in our own time and generation. That kind of world is the very antithesis of the so-called new order of tyranny which the dictators seek to create with the crash of a bomb. And there's another one. In 1986, in the Challenger, disaster happened. I'll let you listen to that one. See how it binds the nation's soul together and addresses the nation's sorrow at such a great, great tragedy. Mr. Speaker, Mr. President, distinguished members of the Congress, honored guests and fellow citizens, thank you for allowing me to delay my address until this evening. We pause together to mourn and honor the valor of our seven Challenger heroes, and I hope that we're now ready to do what they would want us to do, Go forward, America, and reach for the stars. Received Obama in 2010, coming out against Citizens United. Here's that. With all due deference to separation of powers, last week the Supreme Court reversed a century of law that I believe will open the floodgates for special interests, including foreign corporations to spend without limit in our elections. I don't think American elections should be bankrolled by America's most powerful interests, or worse, by foreign entities. They should be decided by the American people. So as we can see, not only have President's State of the Union addresses pushed the nation forward, Lincoln's propelling the nation forward in the Civil War, addressing the survival of democracy, and adding to the philosophical battle against the Confederacy. FDR, with his four freedoms, addressing the nation's nervousness and anxiety, looking over the sea at Europe and the Nazis taking over. Obama, in 2010, coming out against the Citizens United, ruling by the Supreme Court. These speeches have moved American history and the American psyche forward as they will continue to do throughout time. An attack upon the American tradition with such precedent and importance isn't just another attack on Trump in the pursuit of so-called justice. It is an attack upon the nation's heart and what makes us so great. This nation is a great nation 
It's the home of my family and my friends, no matter what we believe, no matter where we stand. This nation brought great things to the world, such as the internet and electricity, the industrial revolution, cars, planes. We are a great nation, but we're great people. It puts it in doubt to me. When you disrespect what we hold dear, and when Trump announced what we hold dear, and you didn't stand, what kind of crap is that? They didn't stand for a person with cancer, Rush Limbaugh, a call to end late-term abortion, the United States standing against China, the United States leading a coalition against socialism in Venezuela, Tuskegee Airmen and Brigadier General Charles McGee. They didn't stand for Janaya, an underprivileged fourth grader receiving a scholarship that was so that she could go to the school of her choice, which, fun fact, was paid for completely by Betsy DeVoice. They did not stand for the killing of Soleimani and the recognition of the family who lost their father who was killed in a roadside bomb, and they did not stand for ending the war in Afghanistan. The only time they really stood up and meant it was when they tore the State of the Union apart. My grandfather fought in World War II. And like the Tuskegee Airmen, he returned home and devoted the rest of his life to the betterment of his nation. He worked on the access arm for the space shuttle missions, the Apollo missions. He worked for Boeing and helped design Air Force One. He was a real patriot. And I have the utmost respect and love for my grandfather in my heart. And to me... What he stood for and what he fought for are the true ideals of our nation that we hold. And these ideals were torn apart. They were torn apart when Nancy Pelosi tore them apart. They were torn apart when Democrats did not choose to do their part and stand. They were torn apart when the president was shown such awful disrespect. Now you may say, well... Trump showed the exact same, if not more, disrespect by lying in his State of the Union. I'm sorry you're so blind that you cannot see the bigger picture. This isn't about him, you idiots, you dolts. This is about America. This is about the soul of our nation, what we hold so dear, the traditions we hold so dear, the sacredness of that chamber where the slaves were freed, the sacredness of that chamber where civil rights was passed, of all that we hold dear. It's not about, quote, Trump's lies. It's not about some stupid, some inflation of the numbers. A murder is a murder. We do have problems in this country. We have not always lived up to these ideals. We have not always lived up to what we say we hold dear. In some cases, we have totally stood against them at times. Or at least it seems like it. And we wouldn't be the nation we are without the ideals that we hold so dear. We wouldn't have the communities that we do without the ideals that we hold so dear. When you don't stand for a Tuskegee Airman, the first black fighter pilots in American history, when you don't stand for somebody with cancer or the United States standing up against the Chinese aggression across the world, what kind of a patriot are you and how do you call yourself a member of this republic? This goes so much further than Trump. You may say, it was just a campaign speech, not a State of the Union worthy of respect. It wasn't a campaign speech, you dolt. At the end of the speech, 
Trump said this, and I think it's some of the most unifying language that had ever come out of that man's mouth. I'll play it for you here. We must choose whether we are defined by our differences or whether we dare to transcend them. We must choose whether we squander our great inheritance or whether we proudly declare that we are Americans. We do the incredible. We defy the impossible. We conquer the unknown. This is the time to reignite the American imagination. This is the time to search for the tallest summit and set our sights on the brightest star. This is the time to rekindle the bonds of love and loyalty and memory that link us together as citizens, as neighbors, as patriots. This is our future, our fate, and our choice to make. I am asking you to choose greatness. No matter the trials we face, no matter the challenges to come, we must go forward together. We must keep America first in our hearts. We must keep freedom alive in our souls. And we must always keep faith in America's destiny. That one nation, under God, must be the hope and the promise and the light and the glory among all the nations of the world. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you very much. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like a divisive president to me. And you may say, oh, it matters what Trump does over the other 364 days of the year. But the other 364 days of the year do not fail to acknowledge what you do, too. I do not fail to acknowledge the other views on this podcast. I do not fail to acknowledge anything. Again, I return to what Ricardo said, but so is everyone else in office. We cannot fail to acknowledge our own faults in the recognition of others. But they so attempted to destroy what holds us dear that they do deserve every single thing that comes toward them in 2020. They deserved what they got in the chaotic Iowa caucuses, and they deserve to dominate a socialist and lose bitterly. They deserve everything that's coming towards them in 2020. And if you support something like that, I would recommend seriously re-questioning your beliefs. This isn't about Trump anymore. This is about the soul of the nation and what we hold so dear. The Democrats may say they love this country, but they sure did not act like it on February 4th, 2020. They, they may call themselves patriots, but they sure did not act like it. How dare they not stand and review the tearing of the State of the Union because of such historical precedent should show that it is more than a campaign speech and it is more than one president's agenda. And thus ripping it was a despicable act against our nation. And I do hope that in saying these things, you will be able to see the great atrocity that occurred Tuesday. I hope that my words open up a doorway and that you can see what I see. I know this episode was long, but if you got to this point, then please give me a five-star rating 
on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you're listening there. I'm also on SoundCloud, and you can also ask Alexa to play my podcast. Just say, Alexa, play a more perfect podcast, and she'll play it. Tell your friends about the podcast, too. It really helps me out. Have a more perfect day.